The following is a Barrett Sports Media production. Every sports media star has a story. From the highs... We are number one. We just grabbed every key demographic. <laughs> to the lows... You're fired! The path to success is always different. To help you learn more about the industry's top broadcasters, Barrett Sports Media brings you the Sports Talkers Podcast. Now, here's your host, Stephen Strong. Welcome in here. A couple of things off rip that I want to go over before we introduce our guest today. Who is ESPN's Linda Cohn? Look, last week on the Sports Talkers podcast, we placed at 76 in the top sports news podcast in the United States. We are a month in, and that is an unbelievable achievement. A huge shout out to everyone that works on the pod and you guys, of course, the listeners, because we couldn't do it without you. We believe this would be a hit. But uh, I'm not sure if we predicted it this early. So shout out to you guys. Really do appreciate uh, the support. Number two, we lost two legends that I just feel like I have to mention. Bill Russell and Vince Scully on Tuesday night. We lost Bill on Sunday. Uh, Bill, the ultimate champion on and off the court. You can go on and on about him. And then Vince Scully. That name, it doesn't matter what age you are. If you are in this industry, you know who Vince Scully is. You know that he's the GOAT in baseball broadcasting two sports icons that we will truly miss and then number three linda cone on the behalf of everyone here at barrett sports media congratulations to you on your multi-year deal to remain with espn as a sports center anchor and contributor to nhl coverage Uh, that happened on tuesday as well we have a story up and how about the timing as we get into her love for hockey playing goalie her move to ESPN, what's kept her there for so long, and the conversation that almost sent her packing from ESPN. And that conversation starts now. It's important to, to take you back to Long Island where you grew up. I think it's important to identify your love for hockey before we get into your broadcasting career. You played goalie. You, you loved hockey. I, I know you had a really good relationship with your father. Why goalie and why did hockey specifically resonate at such a young age for you? Yeah, you know, um, why goalie? Uh, I'll start there. I mean, I was a kid with very low self-esteem growing up. I mean, I had a great childhood. I mean, I lived on Long Island. I'm a middle-class family, so I'm not going to get out the violins, but I had very low self-esteem. I didn't have a lot of friends. I didn't like, you know, I'm very conscious of the way I looked. I had thick glasses growing up. Then my mother got me contacts when I was 14. And before that, I always watched, you know, games, uh, hockey games, Ranger games, Nick games, uh, Mm. Giants, you name it with my dad, you know, uh, having this connection, emotional connection with sports uh, gave me something to look forward to. You know, when you when you don't when you're when your calendar isn't full of things to do, you know, stuff like that. Sports, the big game, whatever game, spending time with your dad, whatever it is in revolving around sports gave me something to look forward to. But when my mother got my contacts, started playing street. I always love hockey, watching it uh, and then playing street hockey with the boys in my neighborhood. I realized I was really good at goalie. And what I loved about it is, you know, this wallflower, this shy gal, you know, uh, this brought attention to me, right? I mean, bad or good, but thank goodness I was pretty good at it. So it was very positive, you know, like, oh my God, you know, like, so it's funny, you know, after getting contacts and I, and I was so nearsighted back in the day, I, you know, that I, (laughs) my my skill was eye hand coordination. It's just ironic. And so then my mother found a place where uh, girls could play with boys, but I had to play with boys a lot younger on the ice, you know, and I, that's when I learned to skate. 
I learned to skate, Stephen, with 35 pounds of goalie equipment. I, I had not skated, but that's how much I wanted to <clears throat> play, you know? So it really kind of prepared me for what I do now and, and breaking into the boys club, so to speak. And that was my next question, because the first thing I'm thinking is, did playing hockey, I guess, uh, on an all boys team uh, prepare you for the industry that is so male dominated? It was great playing uh, on the boys team in this league on Long Island, which I did for a few years. Then I made the, my high school team as a senior, uh, as a backup goalie. And, you know, I've said it before, I'll say it to you again, Stephen, that fact that is you had to learn to block out the noise of mm. meaning, you know, I heard the whispers from moms, you know, like, what is, what is this girl doing on my boys team? You know, seriously moms, you know, so much for, you know, for women, pro right. girls. Right. right. Um, so it, it, you know, it was tough to deal with um, that way. And then, you know, fast forward to, uh, a sports broadcasting career, even before I got to ESPN, you know, I had a, a my big TV break was uh, working for KIRO TV in Seattle, Washington. I had to leave New York. I was freelancing, doing radio, sports radio, like seven days How a week. How old were you when get... you moved to Seattle? When you I was actually, I want to say, I'll tell you exactly what I was. It was late 1980. I want, I think, uh, yeah, I was 30. And, you know, it's an hour never, right? You know, that's, I was like, this is it. You know, here we go. And, uh, you know, the move to Seattle was great because I was on this treadmill of like, oh, I got to, you know, get this job, do this and all this and sports. Um, and then I was able to slow it down and have my first child, had my daughter, Sammy, in mm. Seattle. The thing is, Seattle slowed down my life. I, I really was on this treadmill. Especially like, coming oh, from New York. To, yeah, I got, you know, in the competition there. And uh, but A, it honed my skills, you know, from a broadcasting perspective, what Seattle did for me. It honed my broadcasting skills, made me better at what I did, uh, covered every sport, you know, was out and about, long hours, all of it. It really, you know, it was then and there when you have that, you realize, do I really want to do this for a living? Like, I love sports. I'm passionate about sports. But, oh, yeah, this 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 takes some work, too. You're not just sitting on the couch mm. watching games, you know. Right. So, you know, or going to games and blah, 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 you know, type of thing. And it really was a wake call. And ESPN spotted me out in Seattle. More welcoming. I was very welcomed by my colleagues and all of this. But every day, Stephen, I had to, and it's okay. I mean, I had to prove myself. Yep. And, and you know, but there are a lot of stories. I wrote a book uh, back in 08 called Conehead and No Holds Barred, a kind of breaking into the boys club. Just, you know, look, you know, just like to have a funny look at my journey. And the stories I share in that book about some of the phone calls I would get, it's really funny. Anyone back then could have called the, if they found the number, could have called the ESPN switchboard, they would get you right into my voicemail. And the voicemails that I would get when I first started doing SportsCenter, even years after, I could have a perfect show. It didn't matter. People just, and this wasn't just a guy, you know, there were, were, were like a lot, couple of women, you know, that oh were like, gosh. oh, I don't want you talking and telling my sons about sports. Crazy, right? I mean, this was like, if you'd use the year, I want to say that was like, you know, when I first started. So I want to say, you know, in the early 90s, you know, I started in 92 at ESPN. So I, you got you got it made like this is there's a lot of stuff that's positive. Um, and it doesn't have to be women, men, too, you know, that are going on where you're protected and people can't do that anymore, yeah. where they're like, oh, yeah, Linda Cohn. Yeah, let me get her to your voicemail, her voicemail. And then I, <laughs> after the show, I dial into voicemail like, oh, this was before social media, you know, what was the broadcasting goal was it always to anchor was it to radio what what was the original linicone dream in sports broadcasting well the original linicone dream in i guess not in broadcasting but in sports was to you know play goal in the national hockey league that wasn't <laughs> going to happen so i had to get into broadcasting and i wanted to do sports because i knew i like 
hey, let me, this is what I want to do. This makes me happy, yeah. right? I mean, this is, we all, you know this, Stephen, that's what you're doing. Yep. You know, let's go, go all out, try to make, create, try to make this happen. You it's know, the closest so not, thing to you know, playing. Exactly. So that's what I wanted. I actually, I really did. I started out in radio, love radio, but then I had a funny story, just family around Thanksgiving, aunts and uncles come in, blah, blah, blah. You know, you're a kid in your twenties, which is what I was in radio. And everyone's like, well, when are you going to do TV? Like, and I'm like, really? You know? And that had never oh, crossed your okay. mind. You just wanted to do radio. Right. I, I was like happy with radio and I was kicking butt. And I'm like, okay. You know, and it kind of lit a, a fire. And so then I started volunteering to do local uh, local TV on Long Island, blah, blah, blah. One led to another. And again, making my own air check uh, and sending it to Seattle. Um, and then I got a job a year later there. But And, that, and that's like creating. That's like kind of like what you're doing, Stephen. In this day and age, you're making and creating your own stage and getting people to see it, else yep. they never would have seen, they never would see you. And like this podcast is great. Like, you know, when I talk to young people like you, this is what I say. I say we live in a time where you can create your own stages. And it's not me mailing a VHS tape to news directors around the country as <laughs> they give you a shot at TV. And that was before ESPN. That's how I got the job in Seattle. But, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so um, I know I got off the, the path there. We're uh, good. Get me back on the path. <laughs> no, I think the important lesson here, because uh, even myself, I, 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 you know, it was all about afternoon drive. That's what you wanted. That was my number one goal. And then someone came to me, hey, have you ever caller commentated before? I'm like, yeah. no. And then I started doing that. And then you do a podcast. And, and the point is, you have to be super open and versatile in this business. Yeah. And that's a great, that's great. And especially you're young and for young people like yourself, try it. If you stink at it, who cares? Who at least cares? you know you tried it. And and by the way, you can also always circle back. I mean, uh, so for me, uh, yeah, you know, when people were in my ear talking, you know, you could really do TV. I could see you doing TV. That kind of got me fired up. And that's when yeah. I made all that happen. And so, yeah, I mean, what I have liked, honestly, when I look back on this career, 30 years at ESPN, and being loyal to ESPN, deciding not to go where the grass is always greener in your head. Mm. I put my family first. I put my kids first. I didn't want to move them around all over the place. That was not that was not the right thing to do. And when I look at my kids now, both grown, you know, I look how they turned out. And the fact that they have kept many of that those friendships uh, back in, you know, when I was in Connecticut for all those years, you know, working outside of Bristol, uh, being in Bristol and then living outside of Bristol, Connecticut. I look back, I'm like, wow, I'm glad I did that. Yeah, maybe I could have made more money. Yeah, maybe I could have had more opportunities covering Super Bowls, doing sidelines, doing sure. these things. You know, um, that would have been great. I would have loved to do that. I really would have. I mean, uh, I'm not saying, you know, my career is done. I can't do that. But, you know, who knows? But the thing is, um, I think it worked out okay is my whole point. <laughs> I think I got one of the top yes. choices that, you know, and staying at ESPN and such a such a brand like Sports Center is is fabulous because, and look what I you're mean, doing too you got right you got sirius xm i mean you're i, I yeah. interned for for mad dog uh, in 2019 and it's yeah. so cool to kind of come first full circle you're starting radio you're back in radio you're doing your podcast now and you're doing your anchoring so yeah uh, it all i guess it all came together for you yeah you know the sirius xm stuff i enjoy doing because again what i love about it is taking phone calls you love the fans i love yes. talking to the listeners that is, you know, guests are great, but to me, man, no better way to, because then you're just, you feel like you're just hanging out at a, at Cause that was us and, one at a time. That was us at a time, you know, yes. I mean, it still is. Yes. And that's to me the secret because 
being on Sirius XM and being a sports talk show host, you know, made me better at my job on television, really, um, you know, on SportsCenter, because all you do is ad lib and talk and show your feelings and express them and not be afraid to. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness over the years at SportsCenter and one of the ways it has changed for us anchors is we have more freedom in the last, you know, 15, 20 years to say basically what's on our mind, right. as long as you're not interfering with the product and the message and all that. But there's more freelancing going on. When when I started back in the 90s on SportsCenter, there wasn't that. Late 90s, then we were allowed to kind of dip our toes in the water because of the SportsCenter commercials, you know, because of just great people that I've worked with uh, have that allowed me to, hey, it's okay to be a fan on yeah. the air. Um, and as long as I got that thumbs up, well, then that's what I did. And, you know, and it was funny because many of these teams – especially the Mets, they actually thought I hated them because I ripped them so much. But I spoke as the fan, yeah. the voice of the fan. And they didn't understand that. And they thought I they thought it for some reason. They probably thought I was a Yankee fan or something. Mm. I don't know. And then I was like, I, I can't. I, I remember talking to Jay Horowitz, the PR dude, who was a legend. I said, Jay, you don't understand. I'm like the biggest Mets fan. How is this happening? I don't understand yeah. why you guys are mad. And that when I look back, Stephen, it's like the few things that I'm most proud of at the top of the list is A, I was able to have a family. I put family first, most important to me, my kids. Yep. Two, what I wanted from the top uh, professionally was connecting to the fan base because I always wanted them to see that I'm a fan first, just like them. Yep. That is why I'm in the business. I want to be able to talk sports. I am a fan. I am not like here to win Emmys. That is not my gig. I'm not here to interview athletes to make them cry. That was never my gig. I'm an athlete at lower level, played hockey, right? Sure. We've established that. But, you know, I just wanted to talk sports because I want to connect and always, you know, that's really one of the big reasons why I'm still on Sports Center because I feel that I still connect to the fan base. And I make believe, Stephen, that people out there, even though I've been on for 30 years, have seen me for the very first time. So I have to give, bring my A game. And I think that's always a message I like to share with everyone in this business. I think I heard this in 1994. You're working at ESPN at the time. Management comes to you and brings you in their office. What was that yeah. conversation like? What, what happened? And what was going through your mind confidence-wise? Yeah, uh, you know, great question. Because this is another thing people in the business who are starting out can learn from. Two years into my deal, I'm trying to remember my first deal. My first contract was like, uh, you know, a two-year deal with an option for one more. And ESPN had the option, right? So I remember the day when this happened, I was hosting the 6 p.m. Eastern Sports Center. And before I went on the air, great timing, uh, one of my bosses says to me, hey, after the show, can you stop in our office? We want to talk to you about something. And I'm like, okay. So the entire show, I'm thinking about that, oh, by the way. Um, And so after the show, I go in there and I'm so happy. You know, it was a good show, blah, blah, blah. And um, two of my bosses, who I, you know, respect forever, John Walsh and Steve Anderson at the time, uh, basically said to me flat out, hey, Linda, we know you love sports. We hear you talk about it in the newsroom when you're talking to your colleagues and having fun and laughing and smiling and all that. We want to see more of that energy, passion on the air. We think you can burst through the screen in so many words, but we're not seeing it. Mm -hmm. We see it when you're not on the show and not on camera. But you're, you know, you're a little too structured. And I'm thinking to myself, A, where were you in the last two years? Why haven't you given me any feedback? (laughs) B, I'm structured because that's where I thought you're supposed to be. Again, early 90, 94, right? Two years in. Yeah, this was before like, oh, catchphrases, blah, blah, blah. You know, this is before all that, really. I'm like, okay. And I had to hold it together. And I was really upset. I mean, 
not upset yelling, but I left there and they said, we're going to hire, uh, we have this video coach that can go over highlights with you. And you're going to sit with her once or twice a week to go over the shows you do. And if you improve, we will pick up the option. If you don't improve, basically goodbye. So sure. I was a lame duck. They wanted to see improvement in those first six months um, after we had that conversation and, and a month after sitting down with Andrea Kirby, who great video coach was great. You know what? I said, okay. You know, within a few weeks, I was fine. I mean, all they had to tell me was I could be myself, but I did what I was told. They picked up the option, actually picked up an option for two more years, you know, and the rest is history, mm. but no feedback for the first two years. Of course, you know, they won't, they won't remember that, but no one ever told me anything. But the thing is <laughs> it worked out and you know what? It made me better. In an era now where broadcasters are going to network to network, what has kept you at ESPN? Was it just your family? Was it just, did you feel, because sometimes I feel like broadcast, because they go through this journey where, uh, I mean, especially if you're married, you know, you're asked to to pick up your stuff and, and go with this person. I think that's yeah. why sometimes the work-life balance. Uh, yeah, this was not even about with, being yeah. married. Like, I mean, I was, I got divorced in 08 and um, this was more about like the kids um, and all that. Um, but also I was like, I didn't see enough from other uh, places or networks to want to make this dramatic change. Not that I got all the opportunities I wanted and nobody does uh, where they work. You know, I wanted to always do more, 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 more mm. at ESPN, but they're like, well, Linda, we, you're a sports center staple. We love you there. And, you know, there's nothing you can do about it. Um, so, yeah, I just felt, yeah, I mean, I, you can't ignore the fact you don't want to move, you know, uh, people around and such, you know, and it just wasn't. The pro con list, you know, write the list, pros and cons, you know, that is what I did. And yeah. there were more pros for staying than than leaving. Let's talk about some core values that as a young broadcaster, you can follow. Can you give us some core values that we should be following, uh, whether it's an anchor, whether it's a play by play broadcaster? What are some of the core values that you can work on in your craft to try to grow? Yeah, you know, it's it's difficult for some people to watch video of themselves at work. Uh, because they just don't want to see it. You know, you, you know, it's like, you know, when you look in the mirror and you just see You're the cringy. negative instead of the positive, <laughs> right? You know, yes. same thing with the video, like, eh, I don't think I want to do that now. Uh, you know, type of thing might bring my mood down. Uh, but you know, th that's one way of getting better, right? You know, uh, and I, I've had to force myself over the years to do it. You know, when I started doing this past year as the first year of uh, hockey on ESPN, um, that it returned. Yep. And uh, never thought I had a role of being in between the benches, uh, which is something I dreamed about. One of those things I never thought I'd be able to do or have the opportunity to do it. I force myself to look at my work. You know, I DVR. And what the are some of the things that you're looking at to say, like, oh, I got to do this better, or that's not good? Well, just be natural, you know, just be and be natural. And that goes with any part of what you're doing, whether it's play by play, being a color analyst, being in between the benches, hosting Sports Center. You really have to be you. You really have to be conversational. You always have to. I got this great advice from an old friend when I first started in Seattle at Cairo TV and, I, and when I was doing my first stand up at a Sonics game back in the day. Uh, you know, in 1989, which is when I started late 89 in uh, Seattle. And uh, she said to me, uh, you know, don't be nervous. It was a live shot. She said, just make believe you're telling me what's going on at the game. That's it. Mm. She says, just make believe that camera is my face and you're telling me what I should look for in this game today. And that's it. And somehow it just calmed me down. So if no matter what role you are doing, 
you know, even when you do play by play, you have to do an open with your color analyst person, you know, just like, hey, here I am. And make believe you're like in your bedroom doing this, you know, or in the bathroom and looking in the mirror. So repetition, repetition, repetition. When it comes to a craft you want to be better at. And I would just say, be true to yourself. Don't try to, like I did early on Sports Center, because nobody told me, don't try to be this robot or this structured, uh, inanimate object. Be yourself. And as soon as I turned on that switch and was that same person, even with the New York accent and all, well, that was gold. That was it. That was all good. So those are my, you know, my two big things. And and don't let anyone discourage you uh, from trying to live your dream uh, because, you know, you can always do the boring jobs. They'll always still be there for you. You know, <laughs> try to exhaust. Don't expect things to come to you on a silver platter. You have to create them. I know you know that, Stephen, because you're doing it right now. Um, and I think that's the most important thing if you want to, you know, live your dream. And when mm. I mean live your dream, I mean work at something. You're getting paid. And it's it's something you would be talking about anyway. Amen to that. Linda Cohn, thank you for joining us today on the Sports Talkers podcast. Make sure to follow her on Twitter at Linda Cohen, my Twitter at S-S-T-R-O-M underscore on Twitter. Thanks, everyone, for listening. As always, my DMs are open. If you want a specific guest or any other questions that we may have not asked on this episode or previous ones, please feel free to reach out, and we will try to put it into the podcast on our next interviews. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you next Thursday here on BarrettSportsMedia.com. Thank you for listening to the Sports Talkers podcast with Stephen Strong. A reminder that each episode can be found on iTunes, Spotify, and most podcasting platforms. To stay up to date on future episodes, visit BarrettSportsMedia.com.